Welcome to Below the Fold, the most honest and raw digital marketing podcast around. It's good to be back. Coming back with a bang. I might be hiring someone to speak for me. So you think you're an SEO ninja, eh? That was just my little fantasy in the back of my head. Here's the tip. Oh, I know the tip. Are you the one who told me the tip? I need you to come up with 50 business ideas. I'll be back in two hours. I think I need a new title. Welcome back to another season of Below the Fold. This show is for marketers, startups, and anyone else wanting to know the ins and outs, the ups and downs of digital marketing. I am Jacob Perry. I'm joined here with Paxton Gray and Brandon Hassler. Welcome to episode one of season three. Uh, We're back after a month, and uh, we're going to change up some things in this season specifically. Uh, One, we're going to have a guest on every single week, and this week's guest is Tyler Richards from Dev Mountain. Hello. Hi. Tyler, why don't you give us a 10 to 15 second intro to who you are and what you do? So my name is Tyler Richards. Um, I am currently, I guess you could give me the title of CMO over at Dev Mountain. Uh, well, officially my title is VP, but VP of what? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yes, my main responsibilities are marketing. Um, I have been in startups and entrepreneurial activities since I can remember dating all the way back to elementary school. Um, and it's evolved into something bigger almost every year of my life. And currently the biggest thing I've done is Dev Mountain, which we just sold um, last May for $20 million. Um, and I am currently contracted on there now as an employee um, of the acquiring company. And yeah, we're just rocking and rolling. Uh, we want to hockey stick that thing with this new uh, acquiring company. That's the, what they want to see. And that's my job. So That's awesome. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into that, I'm sure, yeah. a little bit in this episode. Uh, let me quickly outline the show Uh, We're going to get into current events each week, and we're going to just take a few minutes to get into that, and then we'll get back into the interview with Tyler and talk Dev Mountain. Cool. Brandon? Yes, I uh, stumbled upon a app yesterday called Whale. Either of you guys heard of it? Nope. Nope. What does it do? So I saw it on TechCrunch. It's apparently from the same guy who started Twitch, which I'm sure that's why it got coverage. What's Twitch? What's Twitch? Is that serious? Oh, man. Come on, dude. Yeah, tell me about Twitch. <laughs> Twitch is uh, live gaming. Oh, yeah, I know Twitch. You're like streaming. Live you know. streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's one of those phenomenon thingies that like everyone was blown away at how big it got. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's still big. Well, yeah. So anyway, he has this. <laughs> so when I read it, it was a Q&A app. And so my immediate thought was, oh, this is like a video social competitor to something like Reddit AMAs, Quora, where anyone can ask a question People can answer it. It was slightly different in a way. So you you sign up and it's free and you're given like so many credits to start out with. And it costs you credits to watch videos. So it's like, oh, you want to watch this video from uh, Alexa Sohanian uh, answering a question from this person that costs you credits. And you like make money by asking questions and answering questions. I hated the whole gamification process <clears throat> but it's it was an interesting app just i'm whenever i read about apps as you know from previous seasons we talked about what cyber dust we talked about peach i'm all about looking into the new apps and seeing if there is a way for influencers companies to get in and actually i don't know find specifically that- brandon likes the apps that fail, fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this one i think if they keep the current model will fail so I would just say, because you're a fan of it. But yeah, that probably is the case. Okay, so that reminds me. We need to enter into the segment called Dr. Hassler. <laughs> and so, that is if we were to if you were to prescribe a specific remedy to whale to make it successful. Well, first let's diagnose diagnose the problem. I thought we just did. Well, he just said he didn't like their model. Is oh, that, you're, right, that you're right. Let's get diagnosis. The diagnosis is that the concept the concept on the first layer is really good, but the gamification is a problem because I want to sit here and binge watch people answer questions, but I run out of credits and I do not want to upload $5 to my account and start paying to listen to people answer questions. So you're, so you're remedy. Okay. So that's the problem. Tell us what the prescription drug would be to get to rid fix of it. This. It'd be like Netflix being like, you get three episodes of House of Cards for free. And then you so, watch three and you're ready to keep binging. And then it's like. So that's, the, that's the way they make money. 
You say get rid of it. And that is now they know they, they, do they don't actually, make money. Like usually pilots are free of most TV shows and then they start charging. Sure. So what you want is a Quora that's video based. Basically. basically, yeah. Can you not earn credits by contributing to the community? Um, you earn credits so far just like from logging in. And I think if people ask questions, which is hard if you're not, because they have some big names that they've gotten on there and everyone asks them questions. Nobody ask, asks me questions. Um, so I've only been able to earn credits just by I keep logging in. It's like you've unlocked uh, 16 credits. Go ahead oh, and claim so you it. have to be specifically asked so you have a to be question active. in order to answer. There's no like questions that anyone Correct. can go and yeah. grab. Someone asked it's yeah, it's not that's where I thought it was like like Cora where anyone can ask a question and anybody can chip in and answer. It's I want to ask the co-founder of Reddit this question. So it shows the question on one side and then you can click on the video and it's just they record it on their phones. I think it has to be under hmm. a minute. But the co-founder of Reddit has to be a member. Uh-huh. Which he is. Interesting. So they have to get these and I think they've worked out. They have some fairly influential people in well how would you filter that there. i mean if you have someone like the founder of reddit and you've got a hundred thousand people asking questions how is he answering so it? that's the other thing is you can charge people if you want so if you want to ask him a question you have to pay twenty dollars um so that's the other areas if you get influential enough you can charge people like even if it's just a dollar and that filters out the stupid questions like will you follow me or uh, you don't think people will pay to get a stupid question answered they might but it filters out a lot of the stupid like the spam that are just going through asking questions. Yeah. Paywalls usually do. Yeah. So, okay, so I want I'm interested. What do you feel like your diagnosis would be working at dev mountain and maybe looking at things from a different perspective or do you or, think their current uh, model is sorry, not is appropriate, but prescription. Well, I, I feel like everything has to make money. I mean, that's the problem with apps nowadays with anything like user, you know, generated or user focused. Yeah. They have no monetization, so props in them to trying to figure out monetization and actually surviving more than you know a couple months of life. But yeah, I agree with Brandon. I don't think that that's going to work. I think you don't what think it's should, sustainable. I think they can get more traction if they get more content on there, and they should give users credit for contributing, and then you can gas or use credits by watching, right? So I feel like it should just go both ways. You can get credits and use credits. And then build more content, get more people there, get more users, and be valuable that way. And then make ad revenue. Yeah, and from then all make the traffic. Yeah, or like sponsored posts, or yeah, you know, like Dev Mountain. One of our main things that we use for traction is Quora, right? Because Dev Mountain is essentially a new industry. This coding bootcamp phenomenon kind of started, you know, less than five years ago, and so all of our customers have to be, you know, educated about what it is or or you know, what we're providing, what kind of education we're doing. It's not a CS degree, right? It's not a four-year degree. It's a 12-week boot camp. And so Quora was one of the main ways that people were trying to ask questions about the industry. And we would go on there all the time and answer those questions. And it was super effective for us. And if now Quora has advertising, but if back in the day, if Quora had some form of advertising, we would have paid a ton of money to reach that, that kind of audience, right? And I think this app could do the same thing, but they're they're trying to get their money from the users. I think they should get it from you know, companies and organizations. It's so you, easier. Ma- you mentioned Quora. Yeah. I noticed that you're very active on Quora. Yeah. I love Quora. <laughs> how, how effective has it been for your business? Uh, very effective. Like I said, a, a lot of the people that don't know about something, they turn to these forums, especially tech savvy people, right? People that are interested in tech. And that's like our demographic to a T is people who are interested in tech. So, you know, we would get on Quora and answer the questions and they would see an answer coming from someone from Dev Mountain. And then that just in their mind makes them think that Dev Mountain's the leader in the industry or someone who knows the answers to the questions that they're asking. And so just passively, they just kind of gravitated towards Dev Mountain, right? So interesting. I uh, I went back to your earliest Quora answers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> This, this sounds kind of creepy. Like, I've never met this guy until like 10 minutes ago, and now I'm telling him that I've been cyber-stalking him for the last little bit. So I went to your earliest Quora answers, and I noticed that they were different than your most oh, yeah. recent oh, yeah. ones. Yeah. So I'm wondering what the evolution was, because at the beginning, it was very I played self-promotional. Around. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So that's the key, right? You can't just go on there and contribute to a community anywhere. Quora, yes, but anywhere online. And if you're self-promoting you know, Hacker News or Reddit or Quora or any of these forum mm-hmm. type places, if you're self-promoting, you'll get shut down in seconds. Story, yeah. yeah, they'll kill you. Mm-hmm. Reddit especially, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
if you're not actually genuinely genuinely caring about you know the community then you're not going to go anywhere so you have to give real meaningful content otherwise it's just it's going to be thrown out the window right would, so, you, would you be embarrassed if i shared one of you earlier <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> no you can do it uh, but it's horrible it's probably like dev mountains the best boot camp out there well i i remember <laughs> at the very beginning uh you you didn't even disclose that you were a founder but then you started to pretty quick after that yeah um I'm having to scroll through this whole thing. You've got a lot of answers in here. So I have a question while you're looking that up. Yeah, and ahead. are we in that section? Are we done with news? Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought when he talked about Quora, this is a perfect transition into all right into what really matters. Yeah. Can you give us any kind of metric or number associated with Quora specifically and what it's generated for Dev Mountain? You know, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, you know, when so Dev Mountain for those who don't know. Um, it's a, it's a school, it's an education. It's like any other schooling, there's an application process, right? And in the application process, you, the first thing you do is you submit an online form where we ask each applicant a handful of questions. You know, we say, um, why are you interested in Dev Mountain? Uh, you know, what, you, what is your goals with Dev Mountain? And one of the questions is, how did you hear about Dev Mountain? And Quora pops up all the time. Oh really? All the so time. So people are searching. So I to would imagine. Day, do you know like what percentage? I don't say say core like about. Are we talking like twenty five percent, seventy five percent? I don't think it's that meaningful. But okay. I mean, from you know, uh, just uh, what's the word I'm working for? Um, when it's just uh, sorry the <laughs> the word I'm looking for is is just like community. Oh, uh, what's the word? General, just like generally comes to the top. Uh, General assembly? No, no, no. <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what is it when like you're like when users or uh, when uh, searchers just naturally come to the top? Like natural uh, organic. organic, organic. Sorry, yeah, I couldn't think of that word. Organic. <laughs> so out of our organic traffic and organic applications of people just stumbling upon or randomly finding dev mountain without like a paid ad mm-hmm. core is definitely one of the leaders obviously google google searching when they search like code boot camp or learn to code you know we rank very high for those on the first or second page on a ton of those terms um so other than google Quora is definitely like second place but i'm sure a ton of people cool. are googling these questions and finding Quora on the search oh, results Quora ranks super high yeah yes. yeah super um, high so anyway, coming back to this question, this is the first question that you answered. Oh, no. the, the question is, has anyone quit? I want you to tell me if you remember this question. Oh, gotcha. Has anyone quit their current job, then attended a programming boot camp and later landed a new job through the boot camp? Yeah. Do you I, remember I, how you answered I don't remember the answer, okay. but it's probably horrible so, if it's the first one. So <laughs> guys, don't do this. Whatever this says, don't do this. You know, I, before you read this, I think this is a good testament to, I mean, you're you're the CMO of Dev Mountain. And for those who don't live in the area, Dev Mountain is... The largest boot, boot camp in Utah? Oh, in Utah, yes, by far, yeah. And, and definitely probably within the top five or top ten on the West Coast yeah. or Western United States. Yep. So huge organization. Huge. They're doing huge things in terms of marketing. And this well, is he CMO. mentioned they, they just got sold for $20 million. you got to be doing something right. Right, totally. <laughs> I mean, the point is everyone starts somewhere, and, oh. and you don't get to be the CMO of the largest dev uh, boot camp in Utah without – paying your dues and kind of doing everything you can, finding out what works and adjusting your strategy. And I can address this later, but it takes a different kind of marketer. When you're marketing a brand new startup versus, you know, a $20 million startup, it's completely different. Yeah. And I have evolved with the company and, and like things that I did three, four years ago, yeah. I would never do today. Right. And things I'm doing today, I never could have done three or four years ago. Yeah. So you just have to find a little bit, of that balance between like guerrilla marketing and like squeezing every penny and then kind of like that more corporate slash branding, like just big expense marketing. Yep. Right. And, and so this was definitely, you know, one of the guerrilla yeah, tactics yeah. that I used. So to I'm, glad, I'm glad, I'm glad Paxton said that because the reason I want to read this is because it humanizes you. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh gosh. So the business owners, the small business owners who are listening to this are going to be thinking, Oh, I, <laughs> I'm doing that now. Maybe I should go look at his more recent posts and or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so in answer to that question, you said this sums up our uh, this sums all of our Dev Mountain, and then in quotes you have the link the link to <laughs> learn to code at Dev Mountain, um, and then you have student stories. You can see a lot of our student stories online on various review sites, and then you just link to all the <laughs> the, the review, review sites. sites 
that I'm sure tout how awesome Dev Mountain is. And that's it. Uh, I've also noticed that your number, the number of views per question that you post or per answer has gone up since oh, yeah. since early on when you've because they're meaningful. Yeah, that, you've gotten a lot a better. Link. Yeah. You've gotten a lot better at, yeah. at answering questions. I mean, and that's not that's probably better than what most people would be doing in Quora on their first first time anyway. Yeah, no, it's not as bad right. as I was expecting based on what, well, what tell you were me what saying. you were expecting. Uh, I was expecting like a coupon code, <laughs> uh, you know, like, like he's turning Cora into yeah. an affiliate program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> no. Anyway, so Cora has been really successful. I, I saw that your latest one was just a couple weeks ago. So in the last, you know, few years, you've been really active on Cora, which uh, I know Brandon in the past, in past episodes has talked about Cora. Have you stepped up your game yet? Not in the way that Tyler has, but uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I've i definitely seen, and we still get, when I look at the traffic, we get core every week pops up in the yeah, analytics. Yeah, you, you should step up on that. Is there like a monitoring? Like when you, can you plug in keywords and get notified when, when specific topics are being yeah. asked about? And it, I, I think you can set up email notifications, but for sure it pops up on my notifications on Quora. Hmm. Yeah. And I have a Google alert alert set up. So I just went into google.com slash alerts, site colon, Quora.com, and then I do phrases like marketing courses, marketing, digital marketing. And I know when you answer a ton of questions and get a ton of rain, uh, views and like thumbs up or likes or whatever Quora does on your answers, you become one of the most viewed authors or answerers in that category. And then naturally, when someone asks a question in that category, Quora will prompt the user to say, do you want to ask this person this question? And it and if they say yes to that, which is I think just in their user flow, that happens all the time. So I get notifications for questions like on the daily, like like fifty questions a day. I get a ton of it because I rank so high in programming boot camp, coding boot camp, learn to code, or whatever it is. And so I'm one of the most viewed authors there. And so I just get those notifications normally. That's awesome. So the yeah. takeaway there is if you're listening and you have a specific industry that may have you know, a set of questions that you could be answering. It's not just answering the questions is valuable, but being consistent and uh, adding value and ranking at the top so that you become the authority in that specific space. Yeah. That's good to know. Can we take a step back here? I have a question. Uh, So Dev Mountain, um, do you guys offer, I'm unfamiliar, do you offer online courses or is it all in-person boot camps? Yeah, everything we do is in-person. Okay. So what, what percentage of your marketing is traditional versus digital? Do you, do you guys do any traditional marketing or is it almost We, we all do digital? now. So that's that's what I was kind of addressing earlier, the difference between the startup marketing and kind of the, the larger um, growth marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we were a startup, we didn't have the dollars to, you know, put a billboard up or to advertise with the jazz or to, you know, do a lot of this just straight up brand marketing that we're doing now. Um, so before it was all, you know, quantitative, calculative, digital advertising. I want to pay this much money. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it exactly return this much money back to me. Right. Um, but now we're not doing that. We're kind of past that stage to where now branding and setting ourselves a part of com- competition and just becoming more of a Utah known name and a West Coast known name is way more important to us. So yes, now we are doing a ton of traditional marketing where before I would have sworn off that stuff. Right. But now I, I I recognize the branding in in marketing is so important. Um, when you hit a, a a certain stage, it makes absolutely no sense. A certain sense. stage meaning was that after buckets you, of money are coming in, and was now, that, now we have the the budget to do whatever we want. Is that stage after you guys were acquired, or was that before you? Um, we had billboards before we were, we were acquired. Yeah, um, okay. and you know bus ads and front runner ads and um, you know bus stop ads. So we had those, you know, that aren't necessarily as trackable as your, your typical Facebook ad, right. you know, or pay-per-click ad or whatever. Um, so what was, I mean, do you remember that day or that, that time when you decided, you know, now's the time? I think it was obviously it had to do with money, right? I mean, we had to have the budgets to be able to do that. But at the same point, it's kind of when you exhaust those social ads or those google ads mm-hmm. to a point where it's like okay now we need a next step like okay we've grown from you know fifty thousand dollars in this year to 
$500,000 to this year to a million in that next year, how do we get past a million dollars now? You know, can do, we just turn yeah. up the knob on Facebook or do we got to find other channels? Empl- right? Employees started pulling up in Teslas and they're like, what's going what? on? <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have billboards yet. What's um, in those early years, let's say year one, what was the most lucrative form of marketing? Like what channel did you dump the most into? Or maybe, what did you dump into that didn't wasn't as lucrative? Like, what were you focused on in that first year? So everybody listening to this is going to hate me, but honestly, the best channel we had was just word of mouth, was referrals, and we paid absolutely zero dollars for that. But there's something to say about that. If you are trying to market a business or a company or an organization, you just need to focus on creating something that is quality and that people like, Right. Dev Mountain was super successful because in the beginning and to this day, we focus so much on the learner and actually creating a, a product that actually creates a, a successful outcome that, you know, think about it. If we take a Subway sandwich maker, right, making however much a Subway sandwich maker makes a year, <laughs> 30000 let's say $30,000. That's 30, generous, I yeah, think, but okay. keep going. <laughs> And he comes to Dev Mountain, and 12 weeks later, he is now a marketable and hireable developer making 60000 right? His social networks are just naturally going to pay attention to that. They're going to say – all of his buddies are going to say, dude, how the hell are you making $60,000 <laughs> when literally four months ago you were making Subway sandwiches, yeah. right? And so that just kind of snowballed in the beginning. And on top of that, we, we tapped into a ton of free marketing Um when you're starting a startup, you need to pay attention to all of the resources you have available to you because everybody has resources and they just don't know it. For example, I knew the Provo Mayor when we were starting Dev Mountain. And I said, hey, Provo Mayor, do you guys have a newsletter that you talk to people on for Provo Happenings? And he mentioned me like 10 times within three months on his newsletter um, mm. just because I asked him. And I spent, I spun you know, Dev Mountain in a way, oh, this is great for Provo City. We are going to skill up the Provo City citizen. We are going to make Provo way more techie and bring you know, developers to Provo, Utah. And he was completely down and said, okay, yeah, let me mention you. That cost me nothing. And I reached probably 20,000 people 10 different times, right? And so you just need to think as an entrepreneur or as a marketer, what kind of resources do I have available to me that I can get the most eyeballs on something or essentially nothing. Yeah. Right. So that helped a lot. That got us going. How many times has the mayor mentioned you, Brandon? <clears throat> a few times. Yeah, he's, I'm sure he he's has. been. Yeah, I've had the same conversations where it's like market. I tell about Market Campus, and then suddenly the Herald contacts and says that they want to do a story. So he's been awesome. That the mayor of Provo, in terms, of, I mean, he's all about tech and business. So he's not, anything that makes him look good, he's all about. He's so not, awesome. We haven't even mentioned though. his name yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you did. So you mentioned uh, word of mouth, and I know, like, as I, I follow Dev Mountain on pretty much every social channel, and it seems like you guys invest a lot into the student experience: pizza mm-hmm. parties, hikes, uh, jazz games, all of that. Do you feel that that is one of the big reasons that people like? Is that what they look at? Like those great experiences there, or is it still the it's the curriculum in class experience that? gets them to go and share with their friends. Yeah, I think it's both. I mean, you can't you can't say it's one or the other. I mean, people want to come and learn and obviously have an outcome that, you know, gets them into that career, the reason why they're coming to Dev Mountain. But at the same time, everybody wants to have a good time, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to make friends. Everybody wants to participate in a community and feel, you know, uh, included and important and, you know, happy, right? So we just looked at our demographic over, you know, a couple of classes that we ran and we just said, you know what, this is definitely like a 20 to 30 year old millennial demographic. So we started positioning ourselves that way. Um, You know, we're kind of the cool code camp, right? We're kind of the hip and millennial hipster, weird kind of, but also at the same time, hunker down and actually get some skills boot camp, right? And that's what we tried to position ourselves in since, you know, very early on. Let's talk competition. Oh, yeah. Who's your biggest competition right now? So um, it's probably evolved in the last three years. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely like um, you were saying before, um, we've definitely taken over, you know, the Midwest to, to West. I wouldn't say uh, the West Coast. There's definitely some large boot camps out in California. And I wouldn't say East Coast because there's definitely large boot camps in, you know, New York City and the East Coast. But definitely between the kind of coast, we are definitely by far the biggest uh, most reputable, reputable, and um, you know, recognizable, recognizable boot camp. Um, so 
Sorry, what was the question again? I was going off topic there. <laughs> who's, your, who's your competition right now? Yeah, yes. who do you consider your competition? So yeah, we're national. I would definitely say it's more on a national scale, more than Utah scale now. Um, yeah, because there are competitors here locally. Um, but I, I think, we, not to be mean, but I think we kind of moved past them a, a year or two ago. Yeah. Um. So now nationally, I would say our biggest competitors are one of the largest, which is General Assembly, um, that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and also one of the most reputable and they definitely position themselves as like the Harvard of the coding boot camps, which is hack reactor. Hmm. Um, so I would say those two, and then there's a, a couple more. I, and I, and I think you're right. I don't definitely don't think we're the top boot camp in the country. Yeah. Um, how often do you like keep tabs on them all the time? So yeah, I, how- I literally scroll through their social feeds all the time. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. I keep very close tabs on it. I think everybody should on your competitor for sure. Yeah, you should. So one of the questions I have is as I was looking through them and I was looking at the reviews, there are different, uh, you know, the volume of reviews for each one is different. Some have a lot more, some have a lot less. Yeah. Uh, but what, what I realized was one, all of them have really good reviews. Yeah. Right. They all are in like the four, four point something range. Um, if I were to ask you what sets you apart, if if I am a student and and I'm looking to go into a coding school and I'm looking at the reviews, I'm seeing some of some of these uh, coding boot camps have better reviews. Some of them have, uh, I mean, they're all like right in right that there, same yeah. range. What would you tell someone who's thinking about going to general or general assembly or uh, you know Another one of the other camp. ones? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Dev Mountain also has positioned ourselves as kind of the more affordable boot camp. Because we're ran out of Utah and also Texas, which are kind of two of the more affordable states in the United States, um, we're able to keep our costs down significantly. Um, with That's because we pay our employees, you know, normal and good salaries for our geographical area. But, you know, if we were operating out of San Francisco, California, good night. I mean, we'd have to pay our staff like double what we're paying them, right? So because of that, we're able to keep our tuition costs lower than any of our competitors. And then on top of that, because we're in these lower cost states, we also provide free housing um, with our tuition. So, you know, someone coming from New York City, they could go to Hack Reactor in California and pay $20,000 for the camp and on top of that housing costs. Or they could go to Dev Mountain, which is right up there with it, and it's $10,000 for the camp and free housing included, right? So we've definitely positioned ourselves as one of the highest ranked but also one of the most affordable boot camps so basically the value of Dev Mountain, you know, the bang for your buck kind of a thing. So is that is that your messaging? Like, are you messaging we're cheaper? Uh, because when you say we're better. I don't better, know about the word cheaper, but yeah. Right, affordable. right, right. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> he is a marketer. Yeah, that's good. Uh, because like I said, I, I, really, I mean, coding, right? I mean, you can, you go to any one of these and you're probably getting the same curriculum. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, so you have to be more competitive in other ways. You're not saying our code is cleaner or better than anyone else's. It's it's the affordability. Is that is that basically your messaging? Yeah, um, I'm that, sure that's not true. I'm sure there's some difference in curriculum and, and teaching is. methods that would be a differentiating. Yeah. Well, it's, look looking at the websites, I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing anything about the type of instructors we hire, the type of uh, uh, the the teaching. You're methodology. Saying, so that's not a key point in messaging. Well, well it may be. There may be differences. It but. is a key point, but it's everybody's key points. Like, come learn from experts. You know, everybody has experts. That's everybody right. has you know experienced teachers. Right? right. Come learn with mentors. Everybody has mentors. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, the competitive. No one ad- will know the difference until after they've gone. Right. And I've never been through their boot camps. I can't tell you the That's difference right. between Hack Reactor General Assembly or Dev Mountain's That's right. um, curriculum, right? Um, but at the same time, it, the the competition within advertising is getting way more competitive. It, yeah. it really is. I mean, these guys. Some of the other boot camps are are making some ridiculous claims in their advertisements now because like what? They, they just have to. Uh, you know, so Hack Reactor, they're based in San Francisco, right? We're based in Utah. So our average salary just by nature of being in Utah oh, I see what you're saying. is yeah. way lower, yeah. right? So we're we're experiencing about right now about a $62,000 average salary coming out of one of our camps. Hack Reactor, they're in San Francisco and placing a ton of people in the Bay Area in California, yep. and they're experiencing like $100,000. Yep. So in their ads, they will say, come make $100,000 after 12 weeks of learning to code. That's literally their advertisement, right? And so they're just getting way more, you know, dicier and just way more competitive within their copy of their ads. And, you know. Smart. Yeah, it is smart. <laughs> it's very smart, right? And it, it, it puts us in a playing field where we really can't compete, even though it's our 
outcome is very comparable to hack yeah. director's outcome. Yeah. It's just if I put my numbers up to theirs, it, it's going to get shot down every single yeah, time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But so I know job placement is another big messaging thing with with boot camps. Uh, first of all, what's your job placement that you guys are touting, mm-hmm. and is it similar kind of industry wide? Yeah, we're we are very high, so we're about ninety uh, percent plus right now, um, and that it just fluctuates with the classes graduating and who's coming out. And um, but overall, yeah, we're about a ninety ninety one percent right now. Um, we don't tout that either because. We want to set expectations very clearly with our students. You know, we don't want someone coming in the door and saying, oh, I read on an ad that it's 90% so I can just coast through That's this right. program yeah. and I can do whatever I want and la di da di da I'm going to go to a jazz game a couple of times here and come in one door and go out the other and expect a $60,000 job because – that's not it at all. It's it's hard. I mean, it's called a boot camp for a reason. I mean, you would never go to military boot camp and expect to not do anything, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually hopped on your website today and had a little chat with Mackenzie. Oh, no way. <laughs> I, uh, hi, Mackenzie. Hi, Mackenzie. I asked her the same question because uh, I found a blog post from several years ago. In fact, one of the reviews I read, uh, someone had mentioned a 95% job placement, which yeah. that may have been true two or three years ago or whenever that, that review was um, was left. And then there's there's a couple blog posts on Dev Mountain from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So I asked Mackenzie, I was like, "Hey, what's your job placement?" And uh, and she she uh, she claimed that it was about that. She, I think she said eighty eight percent, but also left that co- uh, that caveat that like there's there's work that that needs to be had on oh yeah on, on both sides. She didn't say that exactly, and but that, I, I extrapolated. I that think from that because her every single inqu- you know inquiry that we get or person asking that question, we want to make sure that expectation is definitely known Smart. because. Otherwise, yeah, we'll get people coming in there and saying, oh, if I pay you $10,000 and come and sit in class for 12 weeks, I should have this outcome, right? No, it doesn't work that way. It's yeah. it's hard work. So I want to talk more about digital marketing specifically, Yeah, if we can. Uh, what right now are the top three digital marketing channels that you're focusing on? So very recently, what we've been doing a lot of is pre-roll. Um, a ton of pre-roll on YouTube, on KSL. Uh, Spotify, you know, some some of these, um, Hulu, um, some of these sites that kind of force users to watch your messaging, we found a lot of success with that lately. And that's because now we have the budgets to be able to, to per- participate in some of those channels where before we didn't. So it's just new and, and, and new to us, at least, and it's working very well, you know. And we tend to switch channels a lot. You know, we notice when we're sticking to something for a lot of time, we kind of gas that channel and we kind of, you know, pump the brakes on it a little bit and give it a rest, and then we come back to it. Um, but yeah, right now, uh, just recently, I was working with one of our marketing guys, our digital marketing guys, and we were analyzing a ton of that stuff. And pre rolls working really, really good for us. So what are, what are the other two? Did you say? Um, I think social is always a must. I think you got to be on social twenty four seven. I think you should never put the brakes on social. Um, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram's okay, um, but you know. I feel like everybody's on Facebook, um, whether you're 60 years old or whether you're 18 or a high schooler, everybody still has a Facebook mm-hmm. where that's not true with Snapchat. That's not true with Instagram. That's not true with a way ton out. of the other. So yeah, way yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think social's also a huge platform for us. Um, and then are you guys investing in, in SEO? You know what? We, we, suck at seo honestly. <laughs> so, and i think that's because i'm not very familiar with seo yeah. and so I, I i don't pay attention to it a ton i mean I, I i go onto our moz account and check out where we're ranking and how we're going over you know the last two or three months or whatever so it's very passive you're just yeah. you're seeing where seo is taking you yeah it's like okay you know we're on the second page or we're on the first page for these terms great let's see if we can you know, naturally get up there more. So but do you guys have anyone working for you actively on SEO? No, we don't have an in-house SEO guy. So on August 1st, for some reason, you can see here. Okay, I'll tell you. You've, got, you've got 14 referring domains, and that's what you've had since November 2012. Uh-huh. Basically 14 different sites linking to you. And then out of nowhere, August 1st hits. Um, and since August 1st till now, now you have 184 different websites linking to you. So... In August, we switched from our domain of devmounta.in, the IN domain, to a .com. We bought devmountain.com. When did you buy devmountain.com? We bought devmountain.com like two and a half years ago. We just never switched it because we thought all that link juice and everything we've worked at would disappear. But to our 
uh, enjoyment. It didn't not do anything. It improved everything. We went from a dot in to a dot com, and we got we are now ranking better than we were before. So, Interesting. What was the thought process going through that? Like the concern? Did you guys actually like sit down and be like, "Oh crap, is this going to be disaster?" So, um, yeah, that's what we thought. Um, and so when we were acquired, um, uh, the acquiring company that that purchased us, their their name is Capella University. They're a university out of Minnesota in the United States, and they're an all online university. But they have an in house SEO team. And so we just consulted with them and we said, hey, we have devmountain.com. Do you think it would be smart to do that? And they, you know, after about two phone calls, they're just like, yeah, I would switch it right now. So we did. And we switched everything over to it. And it's it's done really, really well. So if you have a weird domain name and you can get a .com, I'd switch to it for sure. Do you, Were you the one who purchased the domain? No. Um, uh, my partner did. Uh, Kalen Sharp is his name that purchased the domain. But it was a hassle. How much did you guys pay for that? We paid <laughs> So the guy wanted five thousand dollars for it once he knew what we wanted it, and we ended up getting it for five hundred bucks. Do you remember? What? The, do you remember yeah. the guy's? Wow, name? that's a steal. That's no, a steal. No, but he was based out of some middle. Um, he was in Australia. Was he in Australia? Mark Everest. Is that him? Yeah. <laughs> so he he owned like a construction company, and it was called some yeah Dev Mountain. I think it was for like Devon Mountain or something like that. And that was like I don't know what it was, but he was just using it for email. He was, he did like when you went to devmountain.com before it was nothing. So if you go back further to 2002, it was actually a family blog. Oh, was it? So Mark Everest started it in 2002. Oh. And it was actually a family blog. Okay. Like he had <laughs> pictures of his kids and their vacations. And, and so he's still using that for email. Uh, I imagine. Yeah. That's what so, he told me. so he, he stopped using it in around 2011, uh, where, um, there was no more activity on it. The blog was gone. I think that was us. That's when we bought it. Oh, it's when you bought it. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and, and then I knew that it was, did you guys buy it right when you guys started? Cause when I was looking at it, it looked like it was no, maybe we, a couple years after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We start, no. So we started in 2013 in the beginning of 2000. So no, we didn't buy it in 2011. We would have bought it in like 2013 or 14. Yeah. Is that what you're showing? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was so interesting. Cause I was like, they started in 2000. When did you start? 2011? No, we started in like early 2013. Oh, you did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so then you bought it. Um, man, I took notes of this, but I just remember being like, there was this overlap. I was like, they, they, they had to have reached out to this guy and either he was asking too much or he didn't want to give it up. And so they, they went to the dot in at the end for a little bit. And then later they came back and, and purchased the domain. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what happened. That is so hilarious. He wanted, yeah, like I said, he wanted multiple thousands of dollars. And at that time, we're like, that's ridiculous. <clears throat> well, looking at his family blog, there was probably a lot of sentimental value <laughs> attached to the to the domain. Transfer it. You got it. That's yeah. hilarious. Well, and one thing with the domains, so like .in is technically the extension for India. Yeah. Um, I wonder no-no. if that was, because that's always been in the back of my mind, because like .in is popular. You see a lot of .io in tech uh, and io is technically the british indian ocean territory i'd be curious <laughs> to go through dev mountains analytics and filter it down to india and see if ever since switching has traffic from india dropped because google now and does US not associate it yeah and us has so, gone up so i know for a fact that it, it's helped a ton of stuff not only our our ranking but also like our emails a lot of times when uh, we would email anybody, it would, it would yeah, it would get yeah. to the junk or the spam folder because it literally just came from a .in. So now that we're sending from a .com yeah, or we're linking crazy. to the .com, it's doing way better. So your IP address doesn't matter in that scenario. I mean, IP address does matter in that calculation, but you're saying it's the the TLD. Yeah, uh, that's was this the deciding factor. You can spoof an IP so easily. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, I. I the fact that the domain had been actively used for so many years and wasn't dormant, I think also helps. It had authority when they bought it. The .com? The .com. Yeah. Uh, probably had a ton of authority just from being used for over 10 years before they bought it, uh, which probably also helped. Well, I can tell you that it had zero links all the way up until July. Oh, no. Sorry. That's the that's the IN. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure the four, .com it didn't 14 have, have, link, have 14 links for. So you're for, saying they purchased the, four years. the 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 links that were already pointing to it. They purchased 14, 14 links basically. Okay. Nice. Yeah. A lot of people purchase zero. So good yeah. job. Although yeah. they also spend a lot less than five hundred dollars. 
another question I had. So does Capella do any SEO for you now? Um, they've offered the services, but no, we haven't really taken up anything more than just a consulting, uh, you know, minimal things to do. Like, you know, make sure all your pages have ta- these tags and title tags. And, you know, so we've gone and done that. But um, other than that, no, we haven't really done much on SEO. We do need to do more, though. So if you're listening to this, SEO is definitely important. And, you know, an org- organic way to get views is awesome. Did you have to get their permission to come on this show? Who? Capella? No. They no, don't I, micromanage you guys now? Because now no. you have a boss. You're not- I do have a boss now. But, um, you know, they're really, really good. I think that's one of the reasons why we partnered up with them is because they're very, very, you know, they're in the education and degree space, right? They're the university. Um, we're the boot camp guys. And they say, who knows better than you guys? We're not here to control you and tell you what to do. You guys know boot camps better than anybody. That's why we wanted to partner up. And that's why ultimately they acquired us is because they want to get in the boot camp space and they didn't know how to do or start or run one, right? So as you're growing from where you started to where you are now, what is something that you kind of dumped a lot of either uh, time or resources into that just didn't pan out and talking digital marketing specifically one, one channel that you were just trying to make that work and it just didn't work. Maybe it's because of the time you were at, or you didn't dump enough resources into it or for whatever reason. So a bad digital marketing channel. Um, maybe not, maybe not the channel was bad, but maybe just your effort at that time or that campaign or whatever it is you were trying to push at that time just didn't work. So this is going to sound weird, but, um, when we were really young, um, because we all listen to podcasts, a lot of, especially in the tech community, tech tech podcasts are huge, like digital marketing, like this podcast, this has probably got a ton of followers and people actually look at this for a valuable resource to learn, right? Um, It'd be better if you knew for a fact that there were. <laughs> <laughs> but in the tech community as well, people look at podcasts like this as a resource to learn and to stay updated and to uh, perform and to graduate in their careers. But so we thought, oh, let's sponsor a ton of podcasts. And podcasts, you know, big ones are not cheap, you know, to yeah. sponsor them. And especially some of them require minimum podcasts or minimum monthly fees or, or whatever it is, our contracts. And so when we were super young, we're like, let's hit up the podcasts. And we spent a ton of money in, in comparison to what our normal budgets were. And they did almost nothing for us. And it was really bad. And we said, you know what? We thought this was going to be a home run, and it definitely was not. We didn't even get a single out of it, so let's bag it. So that was something really hard. How, how did you guys track the success? Did you have like codes? Unique that URLs, each... yeah, to okay. each podcast. You know, we we created on our website, you know, um, devmountain.com slash whatever the podcast name was, or we literally just gave them a, a unique URL from, you know, Google's URL builder mm-hmm. um, and tried to track it as best as we could. So was that just through their website? It wasn't like sponsoring on the show itself? So through the website, but also on the show itself, you know, we tried to say, you know, why don't you announce, uh, visit devmountain.com, that's D-E-V-M-O-U-N-T-A-I-N.com slash whatever. And yeah. we tried to have them do that as best as we could. Um, so maybe they were okay. We just couldn't track it very well because it was from, pod, you know, audio, right? And you can't really click on that. So I don't know. But it, that... It just didn't work super, yeah. super well yeah. for us in the beginning, in the beginning. Yeah. But now podcasts we're doing podcasts now and it's great. We're, we're doing a ton of podcasts and it's working. So, so what's stay the difference? Away from what's the difference from then and now? I don't know. Tracking? I, yeah. Maybe we just have better systems and we have better operations as far as marketing. Maybe I just literally didn't know what I was doing before. And maybe, like I said, they, they were coming in and I just wasn't, hmm. you know, giving the, the props back to the podcast. I don't know. So I ha- we're coming up on 45 minutes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, no, no. That's No, this has been really great. I have one more question that, that may be slightly sobering. Maybe not. Maybe it's just a, a day in the life of, you know. Uh, as I was reading reviews, uh, I came across a few that were pretty um, impactful, at least to me. And uh, I read one where this guy talks about quitting his job, moving his wife and his two kids from Arizona up to Provo to pursue – this education in coding with the hopes that he could get a job to support his family. Right. Right. I'm wondering what kind of responsibility does that kind of put on you? And do you feel obligated to perform, perform Yeah. based on those? I mean, do you even go read the reviews that people are, yeah. are leaving? It's life changing. Ton of them. 
And I think that's why Dev Mountain was so successful because us as a founding team, we felt so connected to every student that came through our program, right? You know, uh, I remember one of, um, in one of the very first classes, we had a guy come through who lost his job, you know, um, when we, at first, by the way, Dev Mountain was a part-time boot camp. We only did evening classes for about a year until we finally went into the immersive um, model and all day, every day kind of thing. So this was in the evening classes, and this guy was going to work, trying to learn in the after hours, and he lost his job halfway through the program. And he said, I just have to stop this boot camp and focus on getting a job because he had three kids, had no income coming in. And I remember my partner and I, we sat him down one day after class. We looked him in the face, and it got like super emotional. like, trust in us. We're going to get you a job. If you just do what we tell you to do and push as hard as you can in this boot camp, you will get a job and way better than anything you had before. And he was so hesitant in staying, didn't want to stay, literally was like trying to tell us, I'm not coming to class anymore. We pushed him to come to class anymore. He finished the coding boot camp, literally tripled his salary of that job he lost after he was done. And he literally is to this day the biggest diehard fan of Dev Mountain because we did that for him, right? And it's really cool to create a product that it really serves a good purpose in this world like Dev Mountain, changing lives, changing the trajectory of people's lives for the better, but also making no money from it, right? And it yeah. actually – it's a, a great business model. It's a great moneymaker, right? So I think, yes, we feel every every student that comes through Dev Mountain nowadays is you know, 95, 99% of them are career-seeking individuals where they want to provide for their family after the, after the camp. So – we feel a huge, huge burden on our shoulders to deliver on that, um, and that's why we make sure that we do. You know, we have whole teams now of personnel that that's their solo job is to sit down with students when they come in, work through their goals. What is your goal? Okay, let's accomplish that goal. And then we have full teams of people who literally are just placing students all day, every day. That's their full job is, okay, here's an employer. Here's a student. Let's match make them together, and that's what they do all day. So we have – like I said, full teams of people that do that for our students because we care so much about it, right? And and without and without raising the cost of the boot camp, I think Dev Mountain's been the same price for at least two years. I think the last time we rose our, raised our price was such a long time ago. And Capella mm. says the same thing. We do not want you raising your prices. We want you to give so much value with the same price tag for as long as you possibly can. That's awesome. Yeah. When you read negative reviews, at this point where you guys are now, is it – was it and is it still like does it hit you personally oh, where you lose sleep over or is it now where it's like eh, it's, it's one out of it stings it still stings to this day and we try to you know make every situation right but i mean now with the kind of reach and the the people that we have coming through our programs it's hard to make everybody happy yeah um you know when it was 30 people before on year one you know we could make sure everybody was happy but now that it's you know we're pumping out 600 students a year it's 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 hard to control that and make everybody happy but that's why Kalen, you'll see on every single review, our CEO gets on there and personally addresses every single concern that they have. And that I've talked to students that have come through a program. They said that's a huge reason why I came to Dev Mountain to, to see how much you guys actually care. The executive team, the CEO, you know, the founders of the company getting on there and addressing problems. It's, it was a huge factor for a ton of students. So, yeah, we still address them and we still try to make every situation right. Um, do the reviews mold the company? Like do you make changes based on reviews? Oh, yeah. We've done a ton of stuff off of reviews, um, you know, changing processes or changing operational things or curriculum or structure to the class or even all the way down to providing Coke or coffee to our students. Like, hmm. you know, we've gotten reviews where, you know, the coffee machines were so sloppy and, you know. <laughs> That's because no I, one there knows how to work them. <laughs> I know, right? We're in the middle of Mormon land. But, uh, no, so then we hired, uh, uh, you know, like an, a campus – operational uh director and now her job is to make sure campus is straight and tidy and cleaned and the up cappuccino yeah, is and flowing. the cappuccino's flowing and the caffeine's going and everybody's on on par so that's awesome yeah do you read competitor reviews like do you look at them does that play a role in how you guys i don't so much i don't i don't so much because um i feel like a, a ton of our competitors reviews are fake not, you think they're fake? Uh, <laughs> Just say <it>. not fake, <laughs> not genuine. I mean, I can totally tell. You know, when General Assembly, for example, has twenty reviews in a row of pure five stars of like this is the most amazing thing. You know, 
when a year ago they literally had 10 reviews and they were all like three stars, you know, it makes me think. Um, so, but I just, I don't read them. I don't get that detailed into it. Yeah. I keep, I keep a tab on how many reviews they have and, and you know, what's their overall ranking. But as to the individual, I don't think that would benefit me that much because if you know, their soda machine is sloppy or messy, it doesn't matter to me so much. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I think to wrap up, are we good to wrap up? Yeah, man. I, I do want to ask going from, uh, year one to where you are now, what is one piece of advice you would offer to marketers who are right now in the year one to year two stage or small business owners? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's still that same piece of advice of it takes a different marketer. You cannot think the same way on year three as you did on year one. You cannot think the same way when you're hitting $10,000 in revenue, when you're hitting $10 million in revenue, it just doesn't work. You have to evolve with your company. Every stage of a startup requires a different type of marketer and you have to evolve you have to stay on top of current trends. You have to stay on top of new channels. You have to stay on top of new platforms. You have to experience new things and fail with new things and, you know, put your eggs in one basket for, you know, a month or two and say, okay, I'm going to do all these podcasts. And if it fails, okay, well, now you know. Um, but you do not have to do SEO in order to sell for two, $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, again, I think because we were in a new industry, we yeah. were kind of shaping that industry. So when coding bootcamp was searched, you know, we, we just naturally ranked. I think if you're in a more competitive industry, you first you to market do. for sure. No, yeah. you're right. Yeah. So cool. Well, thank you. No, thank you guys. This has been super fun. Yeah. It's been a really good time. Tyler, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. So that wraps up episode one in season three, uh, next week. Who's coming next week, Brandon? That is a good question. I can't remember. I have it up right here. I know we switched it around. Next week, we will have McKay Crookston. <clears throat> right. From Give It. Give It. Oh, Give It is awesome. Paxton will not be here next week. Uh, change of plans, gents. I will be here next week. So. Right. Oh. See you there. <laughs> All right. And that wraps up this episode. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>